So we've been on the series of prayer, and uh, prayers are so powerful, right? So powerful. You know, prayer is not just us talking to God. Prayer is communication. And if you're in any relationship, you don't like to be the person who keeps hearing and who never gets the chance to talk. Prayer is where you're not just talking, but you're also hearing what God has to say. Any healthy relationship, communication is both ways. Only in an abused relationship, <laughs> communication is one way. And we sometimes tend to abuse God by just, this is what I want, this is what I need. But not taking the moment to just wait and hear what he has to say. Okay? Now, this is just an introduction just to tell you. Jesus said in John 10, if you are my sheep, he said, my sheep hears my voice. If you are his sheep, if you believe in Jesus, if you are his sheep, you can hear your shepherd's voice. You can hear. But now you may say, but I, I don't hear. Yes, you don't hear the audible voice of God. And I, and I think that's not how God speaks usually. Okay? I'm not saying God does not speak in audible voice. God does speak in audible voice. But that's not his usual way of communicating. In, let's, let's see the baptism of Jesus. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, right? And immediately heaven is open and there's a voice and the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then in the whole of gospel, how many times do you hear such audible voices? How many times did the father speak like that? Very few times. Once in Mount of Transfiguration and once when they were moving towards Jerusalem. Not always God speaks in audible voice. But you see, as soon as Jesus gets baptized by the Spirit, Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, And the Spirit of the Lord took Jesus to the wilderness. The Spirit of the Lord led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. So even though God may not speak to you audibly, God speaks to you in a different language which is being led by the Spirit. So you might not hear God's voice while you're praying. Hey, Sam, do this. But you know what? The Spirit of God can lead you. For those who are led by the Spirit are called sons of God. So you have a Holy Spirit in you. When you receive the gospel, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is leading you, is nudging you. That is also communication. You know how the father leads the child? That is also communication. You're just following the child. See, what is faster? Tell me what is faster. I speak, my words come, you listen, then your brain processes, and then you understand. Is that faster? Or you just understand what the Spirit is saying? What is faster? Because when you, when you hear God, there's, there's a possibility that you can misunderstand Him. But when you're led by the Spirit, when you're led by the Spirit, you, you train your senses to be led by the Spirit, you can't misunderstand Him. That's His usual way of communication. So even if you don't hear God's audible voice, that's absolutely fine. But you are always being led by the Spirit. And today you have a choice to say yes to the leading of the Spirit. You can be led by the Spirit. So when you're praying, when you're praying, you're building up your spiritual senses to be led by the Spirit. God is always speaking to you. God is not silent. He's never silent. The Spirit of God is always moving in and within you. But by prayer, we are becoming sensitive to which direction He is leading us. Yeah? Hallelujah. Lord, work on my heart. Romans chapter 8, come. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit 
set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There are two dimensions that are activated in you. One is the flesh, the other one is the spirit. If you did not believe in the gospel, that spirit dimension is not activated. But the day you heard the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now a spirit dimension has been activated. Now you have a choice. You are in the spirit, but to walking in the spirit, to be led by the spirit is a choice that you have to make every day. It's a daily choice. Who put you in the spirit? Who put you in Christ? God. And because God put you in Christ, there's nothing that you can do to undo that. But, you can make a choice willfully every day to be led by the spirit or to be led by the flesh. You can make a choice willfully every day. Now, please understand, when I say flesh, I don't mean body, just blood and bones. By flesh, I mean the attitude that Adam had when he said, oh, I can become like God without having God in the picture. Flesh is an attitude of independence. Flesh is an attitude of disconnection. Ego, you know, ego, I, myself, I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I can do this by myself. That is flesh. Flesh is an attitude of independence from God. Flesh is an attitude of being disconnected from God. Flesh is pride. See, it says the mind of the flesh is death. The mind of the, the, the mind of the spirit is life and peace. What is death? Death is not non-existence. Death is separation. Death is disconnection. So where, where it says the mind of the flesh is death, it does not mean hell. It means that in the moment, if you willfully choose to live by your flesh, you are disconnecting yourself from the source of life who is God. That's why, even though there is abundant life inside of you, deposited within you through the Holy Spirit, even though the treasures of all heaven is inside of you, you still can experience death. Because it's a choice that you make. God tells the Israelites, hey, I give you the choice of life and death. I want you to choose life, but I give you the choice. God has given us the Holy Spirit, but it's a willful choice that we have to make. Should we live by the Spirit or should we live by the flesh? And living by the flesh is just an attitude that says, I can do this by myself. I don't need God. It's an attitude of independence. Every time we have such an attitude, we're disconnecting ourselves from the life source of God. See, if you switch off the switch over here, these bulbs go off, right? That does not mean that the electricity power is not there. The supply is there, power is there, electricity is there. But the bulb has chosen to be switched off. So every time we disconnect ourselves from the life source, who is God, we experience death. Every time we disconnect ourselves from the life source in our hearts, we experience Death in our hearts, we experience depression, we experience mental instability. Every time we disconnect ourselves in the aspect of finances from the life source of God, we experience poverty, debt, similar body. So any aspect of your life where you want to experience life, you have to be connected to the life source. And our life source is God. See, for fish, the life source of fish is water. The life source of the birds is air. So, one day you just want to do an experiment and you know, take the fish out of the water, the fish starts dying. Or you, you, you take a bird and you put, put it in the water, it starts dying. Why? Because the fish 
source of life is water and the bird source of life is air isn't it amazing see how did this happen you have to understand genesis chapter 1 okay you have to understand genesis chapter 1 go through those passages later but i'll just quickly because no time in genesis chapter 1 when god creates fish he speaks to the water let us create fish so he says hey fish be created he's speaking into the water he looks at the air and he speaks and birds are created so whatever he looks into and speaks right the atmosphere in which they are created becomes their source of supply becomes their source of life so for fish water becomes a source of life for birds air becomes a source of life for man see man is not created out of the dust i you have to understand this genesis chapter 2 when it says and the lord god formed man out of the dust he formed his body but you're not the body you have a body there's a difference i have a phone but i'm not the phone you have a body you're not the body you have a heart you're not the heart the man his body was formed out of the dust it was the spirit of god that was breathed into him that he came to life genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says and then god said let us make man in our own image see every atmosphere that god spoke became their source of life for them so god spoke into the waters and he created fish god spoke into the air and he created birds god spoke into himself and he created you and me so you and me need god as the atmosphere for the source of life the moment you are disconnected in your mind from that source you are experiencing death are you in christ is christ in you there's absolutely nothing that can change that reality but but if you don't make a willful choice to set your mind on these reality even though you are in christ you can still experience death you can still feel death are you hearing me john chapter 15 verse 16 says hey you did not choose me but i chose you so who is the one who chose us god romans chapter 8 was the last two verses says there is no power in hell in heaven no angels there is nothing that can come between us there is nothing that can separate us from the love of god in christ jesus is that the truth there is absolutely nothing so why there is nothing that is separating us because it is god who is embracing us he is embracing us okay i'll show you something robin come just imagine this is who you are right in christ jesus god is embracing you and there is absolutely no separation absolutely no separation that's the absolute truth but if he closes his eyes even though god is embracing him he'll still feel separation in his mind even though the sun is shining at all times because the earth has turned his face away from the sun the earth feels darkness that's why it's important that you set your mind on things of above that you keep your eyes focused on the true reality on the truth see god's absolute truth is that he loves you but we don't live in god's absolute truth we live in our subjective truth we live in our subjective reality do you understand subjective reality meaning everything that you feel everything that you experience that you call life is your creation not god's fault it's your creation you're feeling upset your choice but you can today make a choice to align your reality with god's truth that's what jesus says i am the way i am the truth the reality you want to experience my reality believe in me so every time we disconnect ourselves from god right in our minds even though we are in god we are in christ we can still feel death because we have disconnected ourselves 
That's a choice that God gives us out of his love because he wants to make a he wants us to make a free choice free will so today you have a choice even though you are in the spirit even though the spirit of god is in you you have a choice if you want to live by the flesh or you want to live by the spirit living by the flesh is simply independence I don't want to hold your hands I can do this by myself. I don't need you. I can do this by myself. Act of pride. But spirit is surrender, submission. For those who are led by the spirit are called sons of God. For you to be led you have to be submitted. You have to surrender. And that's how God speaks. So even if you don't hear God's audible voice I want to tell you it's fine it's absolutely fine but can I tell you that God is leading you the spirit of God is nudging you and if you hear his whispers he'll direct your paths he'll lead you into life and peace the journey that you choose whenever you choose to be led by the spirit that journey is the journey of life and peace not life and peace after you die you don't need peace after you die you know because it's this like you're resting in peace you need peace today in the circumstances that you're going through you need peace today okay let's read this was romans chapter 8 verse 8 okay those who are in the flesh cannot please god those who are in the flesh cannot please god meaning every time you make a choice to be led by the flesh you cannot please god why cannot please god because it does not submit to god okay i'm teaching you something i'm i'm trying to tell you what prayer does when you pray the spirit of god that is within you that is deposited within your spirit it has the capacity to overflow from within you right and if you drink of this water you will not thirst and it will become streams of living water welling up to eternal life so eternal life is within you it's locked up within you eternal life is not it will not start to happen when you die don't wait till then you can unlock it today because that eternal life's name is jesus his name is the holy spirit that's what jesus said in john 17 if you know god if you know him intimately if you get to know him you will have eternal life so eternal life is locked up within you and it has the power to overflow from within you so when you're praying what you're doing is you are combustion is happening do you know combustion see car if the car is standing still it still has energy it's called potential energy the car is standing still it is it still has energy potential energy what's what's the potential the potential is for the car to move it can move at 60 miles per hour 80 miles per hour that's up to you but only when you start the ignition and when the car begins to combust is when the potential energy turns into kinetic energy when the car starts moving what you need is kinetic energy you don't need potential energy you already have potential the potential is within you unlocked within you in the holy spirit what you need is for the spirit to move in and through you and that happens through prayer so as you pray you're stirring up that's what paul tells timothy hey fan into flame the gift of god that i have given to you by the laying of my laying on of my hands fan into flame stir it up so the spirit of god within you that is that is inside your spirit has a capacity to overwhelm and flood your hearts flood your emotions flood your body but you have to stir it up the remote control is in your hands the remote control is in your hands so if you don't switch it on you have the potential but that potential energy will just remain there and you can die like that dying with the potential energy within you i am dead but i had so much of potential 
But when you start praying, you are igniting yourself. Your heart gets charged. Your mind gets flooded. Your body gets overwhelmed by the life of God. And then that potential that the Holy Spirit has starts moving into a different level of energy. Then you start experiencing life. Now you're not just talking theologically, oh, I have abundant life. Now you can express that I have abundant life. Look at my life. I have abundant life. That's what prayer does. It steers up what's in your spirit and it brings it out. When you have coffee and I, I love coffee with sugar. And when somebody gives me coffee and they don't have sugar, I, I put sugar and then I steer it. What am I doing by steering? What is inside, what is gone, what has been deposited below while I'm steering, it comes up. So when you're steering, when you're praying, you're steering up the spirit so that what is deposited within you will flow out. You don't need the spirit to be deposited within you, just locked there in confined spaces of your heart. You want it to open up. Open up. So that the spirit can overwhelm you. It has a capacity to overwhelm you. See, if the spirit can overwhelm the entire cosmos, then what are you? If the spirit can fill the entire cosmos, what is your body? What is your mind? What is your emotions? We are, we are holding on to these grudges. But the spirit can overwhelm. I haven't got to the message. So imagine with me. There's an unlimited supply of water. Water tank, right? Unlimited supply of water. And if you want that water in your house, you need to, you need to drill a hole in the tank and you need to connect it with a pipe. Now, the speed at which the water flows is dependent on how big the hole is. The water can flow even in this tiny bit of hole that is there. And the water can flow in this big of a hole. And it can flow in this big of a hole. Now, imagine with me, the water tank is unlimited supply, has unlimited supply of water. It's unlimited, inexhaustible. But the speed at which you want the water to flow in your house that speed is dependent on how big the hole of the pipe is. Now imagine with me, that pipe is your heart. That pipe is your heart. So how much you open up your heart for the spirit to flow in and through your life, through your body, is dependent on you. So when we come to worship, what is happening is we are opening up our hearts to God. But then when we open our eyes, we get offended by somebody, we're closing our hearts. But every time we open our hearts, the Spirit of God starts moving. That's why every time we get offended, we don't see the Spirit of God moving. Husbands and wives, your greatest ministry is in your house, guys, I'm telling you. So Christian, see, uh, uh, please understand this. Your faith will be tested by your love for people. You can love people without loving God, but you cannot love God without loving people. Your faith will be tested by how you love people. Your, your faith is expressed like that. Your faith is reflected in the love that you have for people. So every time you open up your heart, the Spirit of God starts moving. And because your heart has opened, it, it has more opportunities for it to get hurt, for it to get offended. Because your heart is open, now... The devil has more opportunities to bring in the right people and to offend you. But you have to make a choice then and there not to close your heart but to open your heart even more. Because why? Because you trust God. Not because you like the pain. I'm not being sadistic. But because you, you trust God. You trust God. And as you open your heart, see, The easiest way to get blessed, let me say it like this, the easiest way to get blessed is by becoming a channel of blessing for somebody else. When Job went through his suffering, the first thing that the Lord told him was pray for his friends. And when Job, Job prayed for his friends, he was healed. He was restored. When he prayed, he got restored. So when you open your hearts for people, they might offend you, they might hurt you. And one of the, one of the best places to get offended is church. 
especially if you're journeying with people, my goodness, you will get offended. But that offense should not stop you from opening up your heart even more. In fact, that offense should become an indication, my heart is opened. That means the Spirit of God is moving. Every time you get offended, you should praise God. Lord, thank you for increasing the capacity of my heart. Thank you for now I know that your spirit can move in much more intense manner. The whole of the pipe is increasing. That's why you pray. You pray so that you can move from potential into kinetic. So that you're not just talking theology, you know. The Spirit of God gives life. Jesus gives life, abundant life, wholeness. But it's a reality. You're living that reality. And then people come to you, hey, how do you do this? I see this. You're not just speaking the gospel, but you've become the gospel. You're not speaking about the blessed life, but you are the blessed life. Pray, 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 so that what is inside of you will be stirred up so that it can overwhelm and overcome. Amen? Okay. Come to Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hebrews 11 verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. In the previous verse, Romans chapter 8 verse 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. So how, how do you please God? It's by faith. Praying in the spirit is equal to praying in faith. Meaning, you cannot pray in the Spirit without praying in faith. You cannot pray in faith without praying in the Spirit. They both go together. It is impossible to please God without faith. Now, the reason why I'm talking to you about faith is somewhere we have watered down faith as in, you know, it's like a uh, blind trust in God. Oh yeah, I'm going through all of this, but I, uh, I blindly trust God. I know things will be okay. That's not faith. Faith is not inactive belief. I'm inactively believing, you know, blindly. Yeah, yeah, God is leading me. That's not faith. Faith is actively participating in the goodness of God. James says, you believe that God exists, even demons believe that. Even demons believe that God exists. So how is your faith different? But demons don't believe that he is a good rewarder of those who seek him. So your, your faith is, whenever you pray, when, whenever you pray in faith, you're believing, you're believing that he's a good rewarder. He's a good rewarder. Every time, every minute you spend in the presence of God and you believe that he's a good rewarder, you're speaking and praying in faith. So faith is not just blindly trusting God. Faith is participating in the goodness of God. Faith is participating in the goodness of God. So, I want to lead you through the process that's why faith has to begin with the knowledge of God's will. You can only stretch your faith to the capacity of how much you know God's will. For example, if you don't know it is God's will to heal, you will not have the faith to pray for healing. So faith begins with the knowledge of God's will. You have to know that God's will for me is this. Whatever you know God's will is that, you can stretch your faith for. So if you have to walk in faith, you need the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith is God's will, knowledge of God's will. Faith begins by knowing God's will. See, there's one story in 
1 Kings 18, which is about Elijah. Okay? And if you, if you read the first verse, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Hey, the famine is over, three, three years of famine is over, and the rain is going to happen. Verse 1, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So who is telling Elijah? God is telling him. Very clear cut word. Rain is going to come. But then later, you see that Elijah goes to the mountain and he's praying. I'm asking you, if God has told you something, will it not happen? Then why, why, why was he praying? If God told Elijah, I am going to send rain, then why was he praying? If it was me, I would have slept off. But Elijah knows a secret. That anything that needs to happen on the earth needs a participation, needs a partnership of a man or a woman. Anything that the Lord God wants to do on the earth he needs a partnership of a human. Why? Because even though God is the king of kings over everything, he has given the earth, he has given the authority of the earth to man. See, if I have a house and I give it to rent to somebody, even though that house belongs to me, does not mean that I can barge into the house anytime I want. I still have to knock. I still have to respect their privacy and I still have to respect that for the time period, this authority, my house has is being shared by them. God is a gentleman. So anything that he does on the earth, he needs a willful participation of a man. That's why the word became flesh. Anything you see throughout the Old Testament, you see anything God has used a man to establish his will. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning his will is not always done. So when we pray for his will to be done, his will gets done. When we partner with him for his will to be done, his will gets done. So God is looking for people who will partner with him for his will to get done. That's why faith begins with the knowledge of God's will. Do you know that God wants to bless you? Do you know that God wants to heal you? Do you know that God wants to, to become a channel of blessing? If you don't know that, you will not pray for it. And if you don't pray for it, you will not be able to partner into what God has for you. So even though Elijah heard the word of the Lord, he was partnering with the Lord by prayer. His posture, you know, he, he puts his head between his knees and he's praying. Seven times he tells his servant, hey, look, is there any sign that it is going to rain? The seventh time when the servant came by and he said, yeah, I see, I see a cloud. I see a small cloud. And the angel, Elijah knows that his prayer has been answered. So even though you hear the word of the Lord very clearly of what God wants to do. Even though you know God's will for your life, you have to pray, you have to partner with Him so that it will be established in your life. That's a faith begins by knowing God's will. That's the first John chapter 5, you know, 14. He says, This is the confidence that we have towards Him that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Meaning, every time you pray according to his will, your prayers will be answered. But you have to pray. You have to pray. Not just one minute prayer. You have to pray till it happens. You have to pray till it happens because you are partnering with God. There's, there's a great importance of prayer. Jesus would pray the whole night. He is the son of God. Why? Why does he need to pray? Because anything that needs to happen on the earth needs an active participation of a man and a woman. You want something 
in your life to change and you know that that is God's will for your life, then you need to pray so that that will of God will be established in your life. Amen? See, God has given you the land, the promised land, but you need to possess it. Your name is written. This is the will paper here. Your name is written. But you still have to go kill the giants, possess the land. Kill 31 kings, possess the land. So faith begins by knowing God's will. The second is, faith brings understanding. Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith we understand. Say with me, by faith we understand. By faith we understand. See, reasoning is the opposite of faith. Logical reasoning. Okay? We try to understand through reasoning. Logical reasoning. But in the spiritual, we can understand by faith. So faith is not closing your eyes. But faith is actually opening your spiritual eyes. So that you can understand. The natural mind cannot understand spiritual things. It takes a spiritual mind to understand spiritual things. Faith brings understanding. What is the understanding that faith brings? Listen to this. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made of out of things that are visible. Meaning, whatever you see in the world, the physical reality is made out of the invisible reality. Whatever you see, whatever you touch, is made out of the spiritual reality. Can I show you an example? Jacob, right? Rebecca comes to him and says, Isaac is dying. And he just told Esau to hunt and bring something. And Isaac is going to bless him. So what you do, you steal his blessing. So Jacob goes. There's a meal that he takes. Uh, he's, it's cooked by his mother. Listen to this, very powerful. He goes to Isaac and Isaac blesses him. You know the story, right? Isaac blesses him. How did Isaac bless him? Did Isaac write a will paper? Did he give him gold? Did he give him silver? What, how, how did Isaac bless him? He just said some words. What did he say? He just said some. When Jacob was leaving the house, he had nothing on him. No gold, no property papers, nothing. But he had the spiritual inheritance of his father, which was given to him through his grandfather. Now, when Esau comes and he's frustrated, he's angry because Jacob has stolen his inheritance, Esau says, don't you have anything reserved for me? And Isaac says, no. But I'm saying, those are words. Those are just words. Both, all of them, Rebecca, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, understood that spiritual inheritance is bigger than earthly inheritance. Because your earthly inheritance can get exhausted. Spiritual inheritance will not. And for Isaac, when he was releasing that spiritual inheritance, it was as real as he was giving this last. If I give this last to Betty, I can't give this last to Simi. So once he has released everything that he had over Jacob, he can't take it back because it no longer belongs to him. And how, was he, how did he release it? Through words. By faith, you understand that whatever you need in the physical comes out of the spiritual. So Jacob, even though he had nothing, he was absolutely broke. He's running away from home. But he knows he has a spiritual inheritance that has the power to completely inexhaustible resource that can supply all his needs. So even when your bank balance is going down or you have too many bills to pay or there's issue in the office or there are relationship issues, you have to look into the spiritual inexhaustible supply. The inexhaustible supply, the spiritual supply of God is within you in the Holy Spirit. He has already blessed you. That's why Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, He has already blessed you with 
every spiritual blessing. Thank God he did not bless you with physical blessings because those blessings will get exhausted one day. You get 100 crores from your parents as inheritance, it will get exhausted. But the spiritual inheritance that you get, it does not get exhausted. And it has the power to supply into your physical resources. The spiritual inheritance is bigger. You need love, you have more love. You need patience, you have more patience. You need hope, you have more hope. You, you, you need finances, the resources, you have more. Spiritual inheritance. But it takes faith to understand that whatever you need is in the spiritual inheritance. It takes faith. So when you're praying, your, your prayer probably begins with knowing God's will. This is God's will for my life. And you begin to pray. But somewhere in that prayer, the Spirit of God gives you understanding. Opens your eyes. This is what is happening. This is what God wants to do. I don't have any money. As a church, we don't have any money to move into the new place, but God has given us an understanding. Hey, everything that you see comes out of the invisible. You have access. Faith brings understanding. Prayer of faith brings understanding. Prayer of faith does not lead you blind. Prayer of faith gives you understanding. So you know. You can be like Asaph who says, in the beginning, you can begin your prayer by saying, oh, I'm complaining, you know, I'm so angry. The wicked are prospering. They are killing each other, but nothing is happening to them. But in verse 17 and 18, you know, when I entered into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Faith brings understanding. Not just, not just intellectual knowledge, but understanding of the heart. Your heart is secure, knowing. Even though I don't see anything in the physical, I know for sure that I have the spiritual inheritance that has the capacity to fulfill everything that I need. Finally, what faith does is, faith brings, faith is completed by obedience. Say with me, faith is completed by obedience. James chapter 2 verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So faith is not just mental agreement. Faith is not just, oh, I agree. I agree to whatever the Bible says. No, we don't. We agree, but we don't believe. If we believed what the, whatever the Bible said, our life would be different. So faith is completed by your obedience. Say with me, obedience. Obedience is for sons, not for slaves. Slaves don't have to obey. They are obligated to obey. But sons have to obey. Meaning sons, it's a privilege for the sons to obey. Okay? Let me show you another verse. Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Through whom? Through whom? That's Jesus, okay? Romans 1 verse 5. Through Jesus we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of Faith, for the sake of his name among all the nations. Faith is incomplete with your obedience. One of the examples is, illustration is, you know, you're having a headache and you know that the paracetamol can cure that headache. You believe that the paracetamol has a power to cure your headache. But unless you don't take it, your belief is not fruitful. So faith is completed by your obedience. Just, it's not just mental agreement. So it's good. Faith begins knowing God's will. Faith brings an understanding, but it is completed by obedience. It is completed by obedience. So whenever you're sitting for prayer, what you're asking God is, God, do this for me. What you're asking God is, God, what can I do? What do I need to do for your will to be done in my life? So you are asking God to change your heart so that you can be empowered, you can be strengthened to do what his will is. Because his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Yeah. Three points. Faith begins knowing, begins with the knowledge of God's will. 
Faith brings understanding. Third, faith is completed by your obedience. So when we talk about obedience of faith, obedience of faith is not just doing good works. Please, please understand that. I'm not saying you should not do good works. You should do good works because you are created in the image of God. But that's not faith. Faith is completely surrendering to what the Lord is telling you in the moment and doing the crazy. Losing out on your credibility, miss, forgetting your dignity and just trusting God because he told you to do so. So if the Lord tells you, take, your, take the rod and wave at the sea, you do it because the Lord told you. If it happens or not, that's on him. But he told you to do it, so you... Why are you waving your rod? I don't know, God told me. So faith is completed by obedience. Okay? So prayer begins by the knowledge of God's will. And in the prayer, God gives you understanding through His Spirit. But your prayer is not over till you obey. Till you obey. Till you know what is the action that you need to take for God's will to be established in your life. One thing that should help you in your prayer, okay, it's, a, it's just a practical advice, is check the posture of your body while you're praying. It's just a practical advice. You can pray lying down on your bed, yeah, but if that's the only way you pray, Tells, speaks a lot. Because the posture of your body communicates the posture of your heart. Yeah, God does not look at my outward body. He just looks at my heart. True. But the posture of your body communicates the posture of your heart. Your posture is very important. So in the Bible, you throughout in the Bible you see, you know, people falling down, prostrate, and people kneeling down, people bowing, people lifting their hands. All of these are postures. Why? Because they understand to whom they are worshiping and to whom they are praying. If you truly, if you truly have a revelation, I, I'm telling you, one day, God woke me up at five o'clock, and you know, I started to pray, and you know, you know, five o'clock. When you're not used to waking up so early, you're feeling sleepy. So I, I was, you know, not lying down, but you know, my back was at 45 degrees, right? I'm resting with my pillow in the back and I'm praying. And suddenly I just have this revelation that I'm worshipping the King of Kings. Just suddenly I have this revelation, okay? I have this whole picture of the King of Kings, His glory, His majesty, angels. Immediately, you know, I sit up. Because, you know, anyone who had, who have seen God, they've not been casual. You can't be casual when, once you see God. In fact, your body will be like, you're like, why did I get up? The angel, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and, and he said, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon was, he got up from whatever he was doing. The Spirit of the Lord. Got his posture right. Posture, your posture is very important. The second practical advice that I can give you is put in your heart when you're praying. Because if the prayer that you pray does not change your heart, how is it going to get heaven's attention? Involve your heart. Worship the Lord with all your heart. Put in your energy. Put in the best energy that you can. Put in the best time, best effort, best best of everything that you can. And I'm telling you, every time you invest your best energy, your best time, when I say best time, probably for some of you, five o'clock in the morning is the best time, or for some of you, late night is the best time. Whatever is best for you, when you give in your best, God multiplies and gives it back to you. If you give the best of your energy, He gives the best multiplied 30 times, 60 times, 100 times back to you. I have seen this in my life. Every time I have 
prioritized God in that sense by spending time in prayer. In, in spite of my busy schedule, I have seen time multiply in my hands. Meaning, what takes one month gets done in a week. What takes a week gets done in a day. I've seen that. I've seen that. Okay? Prayer is not wasting time. So invest your time, invest your energy wisely. And may the Spirit of God overwhelm, overwhelm your hearts, overwhelm your thoughts, and also flood your body with His holiness and His life. Amen? Praise God. Come on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind of the Spirit is life. For the mind of the Spirit is life. Thank you, Father, for we have this privilege that we are connected to you. So we pray, Father, that we will have the strength to make that daily choice of being led by your Spirit. A willful choice. Not to stay disconnected in our minds, but to be connected in our minds to your Spirit. For your Spirit is life. For your Spirit is peace. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you will give us the grace to pray. And not just to pray for ourselves, but to pray and become a channel of blessing. I pray in the name of Jesus, let our hearts be illuminated by your revelation so that we will pray more. Men ought to pray and faint not. We pray that we will pray without getting tired. For those who wait on the Lord will rise like the eagles. The strength of the eagles. Father, we pray that you will restore our energies. You will restore Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.